0: This message from the Altar Fellowship. Oh, look at him! Yeah, come on! You guys, uh, you guys, want to come and share a little bit about how that could have happened? No. prayer. Is that what he he said? Prayer. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. (laughs) We are so excited. It's going to be beautiful. It's going to be a short brown baby with a round head and red hair. I can't wait. I can't wait. It's going to be a beautiful looking kid. The best of both of you. (laughs) I cannot wait. It's going to be incredible. Now, uh, I told those of you that were here on Wednesday, uh, I told a little bit about um, our guest speaker today, but uh, I feel like it it uh, it bears repeating. Um, when when I was in uh, third grade, my family moved the summer before I started third grade. We moved from Portland, Oregon, to um, to southeastern Michigan to a city called Adrian. My dad got a a job teaching at a college there. Six months after we relocated, about fifteen hundred miles away from all of our friends and family, uh, my dad passed away of cancer. And uh, uh, there was a kid. You know, a, a lot of those kids had known each other for years at the school that I had started going to. Uh, but there was another kid that was a, a new kid that year, so the two of us really connected uh, over the fact that we both kind of felt like misfits. And um, you know, I uh, was a pretty angry kid who had a lot of issues before my dad died, and then my dad died, and I had a really good reason to be an angry kid with a lot of issues. And um, and so for a long time, you know, I sort of stumbled my way through life fist fought people and uh, said stuff in class you probably shouldn't say uh in ways that you probably shouldn't say it and uh made a lot of embarrassing mistakes through the years and um my friend my friend Brandon Faust got to have a front row seat for a lot of that um but uh as God does he um broke through all of my pain and hurt and confusion and got a hold of my life and uh you know, I had a lot of different friends that brought a lot of different things to the table, but um, my friend Brandon was one that consistently brought uh, the, the, the revelation of the goodness and worthiness of God uh, to me. You know, in fact, I, we were talking last night about, there's a story I've told my, my sons often about a time that me and a group of my friends had snuck into a, an R-rated movie when we were probably 12 or 13 years old, a uh, movie we weren't supposed to go and see, and, um, you know, halfway through this movie, the content and the stuff that was in the film was just uh, inappropriate, you know. It was just dark and um, not glorifying to the Lord. And, and I think that all of us felt like we shouldn't be watching this, but none of us wanted to be the one to say, like, I'm scared, <laughs> you know. Um, but this one boy in the group said, guys, I don't want to watch this. This isn't right. We need, to, we need to leave. And I think all of us were really relieved that, that he spoke up. You know, at 12 or 13 years old, Brandon was a man of integrity, a young man of integrity, and, uh, and I have had the privilege to see him grow in, uh, in wisdom and, and grace and integrity as, as a leader, uh, a pastor, um, uh, now a husband and a father, uh, and a friend. And, you know, there's a lot of different titles somebody can have uh, that don't necessarily mean anything, uh, but I, I think uh, to call someone a friend uh, means a lot, at least, at least where I'm from. And so uh, it's not just a pastor, it's not just a leader, it's not just an entrepreneur, uh, it's not just a a scholar that we get to receive from today. Today we get to receive from a a friend in the truest sense of the word. And so would you guys please stand and and warmly receive my, my friend, Pastor Brandon Faust.
1: You know, we were in here this morning and um, been in a lot of church contexts in my life. A lot of mega church context, mid side, all the things. And there was something beautiful happening this morning as men gathered in here and just were praying. I mean, come on. And I know there's a lot of exciting things on the horizon with this new building. Who's excited for this new church? Yeah, I mean, come on. You should be. But it's like, I've seen many a big building, but I've not seen many men like that. And and I'm telling you, I've I've heard the stories uh, over the years, you know, um, I've heard all his stories, okay? See me after for some of the good ones. But you know, the last few years, it's been beautiful to watch you from a distance. The testimony that God is building in Johnson City is real. There are people like my mom and dad, Bill and Jody Faust, who always had a soft spot for this young man against their better judgment. There were a lot of, let me tell you, you know, when you go to a new school, okay, they, they tell you who to stay away from. And he was new too. And we knew within one day that we're supposed to stay away from Maddie. It wasn't Maddie, it was Matthew. It was Matthew back then. And Matthew was always in trouble. And he corrupted me. Candace asked me not to share this one, but I'm gonna share it, boys. One day I walked in the bathroom and he's just peeing in the sink. So like any good friend, I peed in the sink too. Let me tell you, there was a, so we went to this bougie private school. You know what I'm talking about? We did not belong there. All the kids had Doc Martens. Remember Doc Martens? I think they've kind of made a little comeback. We were the only kids without Doc Martens. It was very obvious who didn't belong. Okay. And so um, we would hear these, these stories of lore of his trips to the principal's office. And he goes, I saw the paddle on the wall. There's a paddle on the wall, and it said, God bless you. And the O was a heart in the word God. So, of course, you know, because he corrupted me, I had, a, I had a situation where I found myself in the principal's office, and I saw the paddle, and I'm like, he was actually telling the truth. The O in God was a heart. But, um, you know... We, uh, Maddie and I got to, we played a lot of soccer together. That was our thing. We both went on and played in college. I will say we did end up going to different high schools, and in the county championship, my team beat his team. Um, that was a true thing that happened. But, um, you know, what was beautiful is is that in those high school years, I watched him just start working some things out. Um... You could see the pain on him. You could see the hurt, and um, I remember there are so many people, so many people in our community, and we're going to talk more about this here here throughout today. So many people who are praying for that man. My my parents who are just like we love that kid. We just want him to see and know and love Jesus, right? And uh, I remember he, I saw him. And uh, he was getting ready to go hitchhiking across America. And I'm like, oh, yeah, of course you are. <laughs> no one's surprised by this. And he came back. And I knew God had grabbed a hold of his life. I knew that he had surrendered to the Lord. And there were a lot of people who in our community were like, hey, it's probably not real. It's just for show. And it's was like, no, this is real. And since then, it's been, a, it's been cool in that side of our friendship. I feel like we've always stretched each other. Uh, you know, I was doing mega church stuff for 15 years. He was out on tour, and we'd catch up, and we'd see each other at shows, and he'd come stay. I met, The first time I met Candace, we were renting this old house. I was renting this old house with two buddies and Adrian, right? He, they'd come through tour. They'd stay in my parents' basement when I wasn't there. You know, all this kind of stuff, right? And um, I just want you to know, um, man, no one is too far from God to experience life change through Jesus no one. And, um, you know, I think back, you know, those simpler times. And I think back there was a time, I think it was probably seventh or eighth grade, we were playing soccer, and it was a month, like it was just raining, right? Mud everywhere. Maddie and I, we, we could hold our own in the day. We both had a hat trick that game, and I remember to celebrate, we dove headfirst into the puddles, right? as you do getting your white jersey all soaked and just that pure paradise as a middle schooler, right? Like nightmare for your parents, right? Getting the stains out, but, and God bless Betty. uh, But um, in so many ways, it was just this moment of this is how life should be. We're just having fun, all the pain and the problems and the cares of the world, were gone. And when we think about scripture when we think about God's word, we think about how things should be. We see in Genesis, paradise in the garden. We see paradise of the past. Things pure. God walking with Adam and Eve. Things as they should be. Whole. Peace. Complete. And then we see in evidence in scripture of, of paradise in the, in, in the future, Right? The promise of heaven, our eternal destiny for those that are in Christ and we long for. Can't you look around the world and see that we are longing for the return of the king? We are longing all of creation is groaning for the reconciliation of everything back unto him. And then we have paradise now in the present. That we are invited to participate, catch me here, in the life of the kingdom here and now. And when I, when I stepped foot, when I got, finally got here, there were some crazy weird things happening on planes and trains and automobiles yesterday to get here. But when we got here, the sweetness, right, of the testimony that is building. Walking in here this morning, and this is, I mean, this is a beautiful place and all that, but the men in prayer, the men putting arms around each other, seeing, seeing the children. Come on, you, know, you guys know this isn't normal, Right? Like s- s- modeling to, to the children of what it means to worship under the Lord, right, as family. And, and I just want to tell you those little glimpses, right, where we get to participate, right, where we get to bring the up there of heaven down here on earth. There is never more time in our generation that the world needs a glimpse of the kingdom, And our role in the kingdom is not just to punch our ticket and sit around for Jesus to come back. We are invited to play a role to participate in bringing the up there of heaven down here on earth. Where we live, where we work, where we play, where we learn. And we have a role to play to get and eradicate the hell, the brokenness, the emptiness, the sinfulness of this world. We get to join God in his move. Right? God's had a heart for Johnson City for years and years and years. And now in this generation, you all get to participate in the heart of God and the move of God right here, right now. And we see time and time again. If you haven't read the Gospel of Mark recently, I've been doing that with some buddies right now, a buddy of mine in England and Romania, and we've been chatting about it. The Gospel of Mark is relentless. The pace that things are coming at Jesus, right? And he's trying to get away and rest and and pray and spend time with his father. Like, it is relentless. The pace is relentless. And some of you might be coming in here this morning, and you feel like the pace has been a little relentless. All right? And in one little moment, one little anecdote, one little story, one little episode of the life of Jesus, we see so much authority, wisdom, and grace And so we're going to turn into that in in Luke. I want to go to Luke chapter 5, verse 17. If you've got a Bible, it'll also be on the screens. Luke chapter 5. Let me pray for us. Lord, we, we, we come before you. It's so good to laugh. It's so good to smile. It's so good to reflect or we posture our hearts before you. We continue our worship to you as we look at your word, as we look at as we look at Jesus. Holy Spirit, move in our hearts as only you can. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would encourage, that you would affirm, that you would correct and that you would move in our lives. Lord, t- t- you're tilling things up. You're tilling up the soil. Lord, the, the harvest is-, 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 is plenty. The workers are few. But I sense in here there are people who are ready to roll up their sleeves and go for you, Jesus. Speak to us fresh, Holy Spirit, through your word. Move me out of the way, Lord. May you be magnified and glorified as we look in your word. In Jesus' name, Amen. So we're in Luke 5, but we do learn from the gospel of Mark that this event that we're about to look at probably took place in Capernaum, okay? And it's probably at Peter's mother-in-law's house, which is interesting. And we know earlier in Luke 4 that she was struggling from a from some sort of a fever, some sort of illness, and that, and that Jesus came and His authority, and, and He He touched her and He healed her right in that moment, performed a miracle. She experienced the healing presence of Jesus. And and we and we have reason to think that that that, that home maybe was kind of home base for them for for maybe a few days as they were doing ministry, as they were going out, as they were healing. Right, and 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 we learn. Um, And this is early on in Jesus' public ministry of teaching and healing. And the show was in town. People knew that Jesus was there. People were curious to find out, what's the buzz about? What's the fuss about? What's going on? And in Luke 5, 17, we see this. It says, one day Jesus was teaching, and Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there. They had come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. The same story is recorded in the Gospel of Mark. In Mark 2.2, 2, it says this. It describes the same event this way. It says, they gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left. No room left in this house, not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. It was packed out like a Bieber concert with free tickets for all the 13-year-old girls in the planet. And this place was hopping. You couldn't get in earshot, okay? And then it says in Luke 5:18, some men, we don't know much about them, just some men. Some men. I wonder in the story of people in Johnson City how many times it might be said in five years, 10 years, 15 years. Some guy, some lady, I had an encounter, I just met somebody, didn't really know much about him. Some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a mat and tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. And if we put ourselves back in that time, I just want to let you know back then, we don't know if they were friends, we just know there's some men. And quite honestly, people who were crippled, blind, paralyzed, were often just left alone. So these men decided to move towards this man. So these guys go against the culture. They move near. And they simply pick up a corner of the map. We sometimes think that a move of God or God working through us has to be some crazy thing that we've got to have some polished message or have all of our theology straight or whatever, and sometimes it's just like, hey, you want to pick this up? You want to pick this up and start moving? Sorry, you don't have to graduate from spiritual growth class to pick up the corner of a mat. Okay? And I think so much in our generation that we have built in and, and as I spent time studying with church planners in India and we're watching this, one of the fastest movements of the gospel in human history and they're like, yeah, can you pick that up? Do you know one thing to be true about God? Then go ahead and do that one thing. Do you know one thing to be true about the character of God? Then why don't you do that one thing and teach it to somebody else? And, and I'm telling you, I've, I've got degrees and all that stuff and that's fine and that's good. But man, let me tell you, What we see modeled in the ministry of Jesus, early on as people were catching a glimpse, catching a whiff, he sent his disciples out, you know, two by two within just a few months. They didn't know what they were doing. He had to say, get back here. So he had to disciple them in function and in character. And some of you, right, some of you, you you may not know, you may not have a clear, defined ministry yet or this or that. Do your kids have friends? Do you have coworkers? You got neighbors? Do we give them our presents? I'll tell you, I get selfish real quick with my time. But here we have a couple of guys, well, some men, they probably didn't get their good seat for the event. They probably had to give that up that day. But we know just some men They weren't ordained. Just some men. But can you imagine the scene as these guys are picking up the corners of the mat? Imagine the guy on the mat. I can can fancy him saying something like this. You guys don't have to carry me. It's fine. I've been let alone my whole life. Just leave me be. I don't want to get my hopes up. Every miracle worker that's come through town, people have taken me to that person before. Still can't walk. Or maybe I'm embarrassed enough. You don't need to put me on display. But these four friends, they grabbed a corner of the mat. (laughs) There's no room at the party. We carried our buddy up who knows how many miles, we couldn't even get in. Imagine his reaction. Now he feels even worse, because now his friends can't even go in to see this Jesus. Well, this is embarrassing, or you guys are idiots. But then there's always that one crazy friend out of a group. This guy right here is nodding like he, he knows he's it. <laughs> If you don't know who the crazy friend is in your group of friends, it's probably you, okay? <laughs> so the scene is set. Jesus is teaching the Pharisees and the religious leaders of the day, and everyone's in town to see him. The circus is in town in people's eyes. The community out there. There's a buzz about it. No one can get it within earshot. And they're like, we carried this guy all the way, and we know that Jesus can do something about it. And then that one crazy friend who's had terrible ideas his whole life, it finally clicks. The roof. The roof. What are you talking? The roof. If we can't get in the door, how do we get in? And there's a word for somebody about the relentlessness, okay? The compassion, the seeing and and hearing and seeing what's going on in somebody and saying, no, 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 no. No, we maybe hit a barrier here. We maybe hit an obstacle. Somebody needs to pray that one more prayer for a family member. Somebody needs to bring that tray of cookies for the person that you don't think will eat them, right? And if they're gluten-free, then you learn next time, and you bring them something that doesn't have gluten in it, okay? Like, some, somebody needs to see the relentlessness here, okay? So Jesus is teaching And these bros start making a hole in the roof. Now, a roof in this time in history, the men would have to remove some tiles. They'd probably have to dig through some clay and remove some sticks. There's multiple layers to this. This was not just like open the thatch, right, and we can drop them in. It's like there's work, okay? Can you just imagine the the banging on the ceiling while we're gathering like this? People know something's going on. Right? So Jesus is in the house. He's teaching the most wealthy and influential religious leaders of the day. And there's a hole in the roof. Peter's mother-in-law has got to be fed up. Like, the whole town's here. People from other regions are here. And now there's a hole. Oh, my goodness. You thought you had issues with your mother-in-law. So they climb they climbed down from the roof, or maybe they jumped through the hole. We don't, we don't know, but they, somehow this guy got lowered safely. And we see in Luke 5, 19, it says this, When they could not find a way to do this, because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered him on his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd right in front of Jesus. I would pay money to see the look on Jesus' face as this was happening. Come on, baby. I'd also equally love to see the religious leaders of the day scoff. How dare you? This is our performance. We get to hear him. We're here to trick him. So they literally brought their friend to Jesus. Do you hear me? They literally lowered their friend, and, and they, they ah, we can't make this decision for you, but we've got to say-so, and any say-so that we have, just grabbing a corner, climbing up, tearing up a roof, anything that we have in our stewardship, any capitals that God has given us, physical, spiritual, relational, financial, we're going to steward those and, and, and do everything we can to literally put you in front of Jesus. These four friends, their compassion, their empathy was absolutely relentless, Luke five twenty says this, when Jesus saw their faith, this is interesting. He saw their faith, the faith of the community, the boldness of these men, just some men. He looked at this man and he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. This is a big statement. Hey, man, I was told you'd make my legs right. He goes, hold on now. Jesus says, your sins are forgiven. This is Jesus, one of Jesus' many mic drop moments. Jesus just claimed that he can and will forgive people's sins. He just claimed in front of the religious leaders of the day, I am God's son, right? I, am, I, I have, this has been given to me, and now I'm giving this to you. In the eyes of religious leaders, this was the most heretical thing you could say. And Jesus indicates to, in that moment and to us today that the most amazing miracle is not that just he can heal someone's legs, which he can, but that he can forgive. The only one who can. Jesus is saying, if I can forgive your sins, I have the power and authority to do anything else. We were all once that person or are that person that's down on the mat. Waiting, waiting for someone to bring us to the truth of Jesus. You know, sin's an interesting term. It's an old archery term meaning to miss the mark. And all of us don't have to look too far to the left or to the right in our lives to know that we've missed the mark, that others have missed the mark, and that there's pain in our world, there's sin and brokenness in our world. And maybe you're in need for the fresh start. Maybe you've wandered a bit. Maybe salvation was an event in the past for you only. Maybe you prayed the prayer and you, you got yourself right with God and you trusted Jesus. But what does it mean? to live a life of evidence of trusting Jesus? What does it mean actively in each day, every circumstance to actively allow Jesus to be Lord of your life, of every domain of your life? Not just on Sunday mornings, not just when the band is crushing it, right? Not just when, 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 when we're with each other in each other's pre- But what does it look like at 4.30 in traffic when you're picking up your kid from school? or the practice? What does it look like on Monday morning at 8.45 a.m. as you're coming into work? What does it look like after an exhausted day and you've got nothing in the tank and your kids are being ridiculous and you're trying to, are we going to be short with it? What does it mean that Jesus is Lord in that moment? Are we showing evidence of that? And that as we step in and as we mature and as we grow in our faith, how do we allow in every day, every moment, Jesus inviting Jesus to actively be Lord of that situation in our life, to look up, right? That, that, I love that song, that song we were singing earlier this morning, and it's just talking, "Catch me up in your story." How do we remember the story, right? The story of Jesus that we get to play a part of, that we're not the centerpiece of, that we get to join His great story, His great narrative, all my life, for your glory. Not just between, you know, 10 o'clock and noon on Sunday, or when my favorite sports team wins, or whatever it might be. What does it look like in the dead of winter on a Wednesday at 6 a.m. when you haven't slept all night? What does it look like to say, Lord, get me caught up in your story as we go through our everyday comings and goings of life? You know, the way of the kingdom is a hospital for sinners, not a museum for saints. The way of the kingdom is, is to see people go from lost to leading. And, and when we go from, look, look at this, we're going to see it in this man really quick of how he goes from lost to leading. And if we know one thing to be true about Jesus, let's obey that one thing. If we know one thing to be true about Jesus, let's share and teach that one thing. Let's not hold on to it. We don't need to become spiritually obese. Let's give it away. And so there's a verse in 1 John 1, 9. I don't have this on the screen, so don't get nervous. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. That's the verse that hit me like a ton of bricks as a teenager. This invitation to a better way, to be made right, to be made whole, to walk with Jesus. So we go back to the story and the drama picks up in Luke 5, 21. It says this, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law began thinking to themselves, who is this fellow? This, they're thinking, who thinks like this? Who is this fellow? How smug must you be to be thinking the word Fellow. The teacher, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law began thinking to themselves, who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins, but God alone? They're mad and they got numbers and they're mad. Next verse, Jesus knew, catch that. He knew what they were thinking. He knew they were dropping the fellow word in their brains, the original F word, And he asked them aloud, why are you thinking these things in your hearts? He goes on to say this, which is easier to say your sins are forgiven or to say get up and walk. But I want you to know that the son of man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take your mat and go home what? I said, get up, take your mat, go home. And immediately, not after he ruminated on it, not after he prayed about it, immediately he stood up in front of them, took what he had been lying on and went home praising God. Everyone was amazed and gave praise to God and they were filled with awe and said, we have seen remarkable things today. It was an important day for the man on the mat to meet the most important Jesus, God's son that would change everything. And immediately, without hesitation, he went up and started praising God. He started telling the story of God in his life. He got caught up in the story all for his glory. He started moving in it. I'm telling everybody. And I will tell you, he didn't have evangelism training. He didn't go to all the spiritual formation classes. There's a place for that. Don't get me wrong. But he just said, I've got a story. I've got evidence. People saw how I was and how how I am. And let me tell them about the goodness of Jesus. And I just want to invite you. Some of you actually need to believe that you have a testimony. Some of you need to start moving, pick up the mat, and walk away from it. We don't need to hold on to it anymore. There's no need for that mat anymore. It's time to start moving and moving and moving. I think a lot of times, in my experience, I thought I didn't have a worthy enough testimony because it wasn't radical, it wasn't like the man on the mat, but are we living a life that shows that we're caught up in his story? (laughs) Do we give people an actual reason to think, well, Zach's life's a little bit different, and not just because he plays guitar real nice. How he interacts with his bride, how he interacts with his kids, his demeanor as he walks into the coffee shop. There's something about this guy. And I want you to know that God has actually given you a testimony. It may not seem as radical as some other people are crazy, and you maybe didn't have a tough upbringing, or you maybe haven't had some of these really crazy things happen in your life, or maybe you have, but it's like, okay, leave the mat Let's walk. Let's tell the story. Look, we, God has equipped us with that. So He gave that to you to steward. How are you stewarding it? How's that working out for you? How's that going? When I think of this story, I think back to people who carried the corners of my mat. And I didn't even know it, I didn't even see it coming. You see, I was the good kid. So we had these like asymmetrical experiences, right? Enough similar, but they looked different enough, right? We showed up at the same school at the same time. I had a little bit of mischief in me, but I was never really getting in trouble. Matthew was getting in trouble. <clears throat> I wanted, and somebody needs to hear this, I wanted to earn my earthly father's love by being the four-sport athlete and the 4.0 kid. And when I thought about God, all I could think about is a disappointing performance for him. All I could think about is, man, it's not quite good enough. I could have made could have scored a couple more goals, could have made a couple more shots in the game. I could have gotten a little bit, could have gotten an A+ not just an A. And I remember there were these two, two boys always inviting me to their youth group. Guys, I'm kind of a big deal. I don't have time for that. Are there going to be girls there? There'll be some girls there. Yeah, maybe next time. Wouldn't go. Two years this went on. They said, hey, the star basketball player at our school is going to be sharing his testimony. I'm like, I don't know what a testimony is, but I respect that guy, so I'll come listen to him. So I went to this thing, and uh, this is a senior in high school just sharing his testimony. I learned what a testimony was that day, right? It's just cool. And um, there were some girls there, so that was a, a nice draw. But um, I heard his story. I was like, I do feel like my life's missing something. Even in my teenage, I feel like something, some, there's just something not adding up. I probably would say I believed in some sort of God, some sort of higher power. But when he talked about the relationship with Jesus, the need for forgiveness of sins, that someone would go and sacrifice, live that sinless life, walk this earth, die a criminal's death, pay my debt, and conquer sin and death forever, I was like, I got to think about that. I never heard it like that. And I did not have some emotional response, which there's nothing wrong with that. I went home and I had to think. And I remember the youth pastor said, when you don't know what to do, just open your Bible. So I had to find a Bible. I opened it. And I'll tell you, God met me right then and there. What I later found out, I told a couple of those friends who had invited me those Dorito-eating, Mountain Dew burping, teenage boys, come on. They didn't have their theology worked out. They didn't know their spiritual gifts. And they said, well, it's about time. I said, what do you mean? They go, we have together prayed for you every day for two years. Whew. Those boys carried the corners of my mat. I didn't even know it. Little did they know how significantly God would use them. Little did they know how Jesus would change my life. Little did they know that my parents' marriage was on the rocks, and then, you know, literally that next week, I'm sharing scripture. I don't even know what it says. I'm sharing it with my mom. She comes down to the altar uh, at the church, and the church didn't even do altar calls. And ladies surround her. Come on. (laughs) You charismatics are excited about that. <laughs> People laid hands on her. She, gave her. she surrendered her whole life to Jesus. Three months go by. My dad was living out of our basement. They were looking at divorce, all that stuff. One day he silently gets in the car and goes to church with me and mom. Doesn't sing, doesn't talk, just there. Those boys didn't know it. Their prayers were carrying the corners of the map for my mom and dad for the reconciliation of their marriage some, you know, 20 odd years later, right, from that time, and my parents had the opportunity to pour into my my sister's life, and we saw her give her life to Christ just a few years ago. They go to church together. My dad's an elder at the church, which, (laughs) that that shouldn't be a thing, (laughs) by God's grace, It matters when that prompt from the Spirit says, go talk to that neighbor, go walk up to that person, go call that family member. Some of you need to reconcile some stuff before Thanksgiving's here. Generations of spiritual fruit can grow when we show compassion, when we don't relent on the prompt of the Spirit, and we go and carry that corner of the mat. So who is it? A neighbor? A coworker? A classmate? Someone at the gym? A parent of one of your kids' friends? A kid? A grandkid? If you don't know, start asking. Start prayer walking the neighborhood. <laughs> Lord, show me who it is. Now sometimes there's these, these moments when and you've probably experienced this where the Holy Spirit just gives you something clearly. And then there's sometimes where there's just layups. Do you know what I'm saying? There's a, it's not the three-point shot. It's not the half-court shot. It's like, who is next to you? Who, who's in your proximity? <laughs> Look to them. I, can you imagine how many, I, I don't know how many times these, some men just walked by this guy. What made them stop that day? You know, our spiritual fruit is not just for us. Our spiritual fruit can, can carry over into the lives of others. Just like the four guys who carried the mat. Just like my buddies who prayed for me. And remember that the spiritual fruit that God produces is for him and his glory and his kingdom and for the community. And my, my fruit should grow on other people's trees right? My spiritual fruit should be a blessing unto Zach's life, a blessing unto Ian's life, right? It should be given over into worship. Well, I don't know how to disciple somebody. I got news for you. You already are. We are all discipling somebody, but what are we discipling them in and towards? You see, discipleship starts at the moment of relationship. So what What are you discipling people to and in? Now, don't get me wrong. There's times where there's like intentional discipling relationships and you're getting in each other's lives and in each other, but you're discipling your kids, your spouse, your girlfriend, your friends. What are you discipling them in and towards? What do we see in Luke 5? We see very quickly he shared his story of transformation and healing. He went and told the story. You see, the front doors of the altar fellowship aren't just at this building. They're not just at the next building. But that people would experience the front doors of the kingdom in you. That the threshold of the kingdom of God moving in you. You see, I believe, I was telling Maddie this the other day on the phone, I believe this is a missionary church that every person in this church would see themselves and be sent as a missionary. Whether that's Johnson City, Tennessee, in the everyday spaces that you occupy, to know that you are sent. It's sometimes easy, right, David, when you're, hey, I'm in Ecuador. I know that the, i got to study the people group here. i got to provide value to them. I want to serve them and then bring the good news, right, through all of that. And some of us just need to, like, like, just a couple clicks in our brain need to switch to say, whoa, 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 whoa. God has me here right now in this time, in this season for whatever reason, and it's now time to steward that as a missionary. Now, some of you, I do believe, are going to be sent out, right, to, to maybe lead a church or to go globally or whatever that might be, or you get a business transfer to go and be a missionary in Charlotte or, or Hartford, Connecticut, or whatever it might be. But this church is a missionary church, and my prayer is that in two years, there will be stories of every person that in this church family that's like, I know my mission field, and we're moving. We're seeing fruit. We are bringing the up up there of heaven, right? We're joining God in his move right here in Johnson City to alert others to the rule and reign of Christ. You know, like in old battle times, they'd have the banners up and there might still be people fighting a little bit, right? They might be still going, but, but you know, you see this big stallion and you, you hear the trumpet and you see the banners and you're like, our team won. And it's like someone else didn't get the message yet. I'm telling you, the banners are up. <laughs> They've been waving around for a long, long time. And, and, and the inauguration of the king is in process. It's already happening, right? He already won the war. There might be, there's still some battles out there, there's still some things to be done there. And, but what's amazing is that Jesus chose to entrust the work of the church, the bride of Christ, to these knucklehead disciples who often got it wrong. And he said, I'm entrusting you with this. In Ephesians 4, 11 through 13, it says this. So Christ gave himself, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and the teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Jesus is saying, I, I, Jesus gave this to the body of Christ, to individuals in the body of Christ, but also to the collective church to express his work here on earth. Now, I realize some of those words may seem super spiritual, new terms, But as we break them down, it's an invitation that the Lord has given us to participate in the body of Christ. And Jesus himself embodied all of these things. And there is, I do want to clarify, this is for Pastor Maddie to teach on a different day, but the the office of apostle, but what we want to talk about is just the function of pioneering apostleship, right? Maybe like a lowercase a apostle. In the Greek, the term apostle literally means sent one, or or, uh, it's also known in the French translation as envoy, the sent one, an envoy, pioneering, doing new things for the benefit of God's kingdom, bringing glory to God through them, maybe starting a new type of ministry that serves people like my friend Phil with a financial planning business. That serves family with, with kids with special needs and shares the gospel with them in the process. It may mean taking ministry into a new part of town. Maybe you're a self-starter, maybe you're starting a new business. What does business's mission look like? Starting a baseball team for an area of town that doesn't have it. Think about the word apostello, sent one. Jesus was the greatest sent one, am I right? to this world with, he was a missionary God sending his Messiah into this world, the hope of the world to bridge the gap of sin and death and restore people back to God. This is different than maybe that office of apostle and, you know, they'll be teaching on that another day. But these pioneering people ensure that faith is transmitted from one context to another and from one generation to the next. And it says, the prophets, the exhorters, they know God's will. You know who I'm talking about? That person that you're like, man, they just got a word from the Lord. <laughs> like they're just a bucket of wisdom. Like you know that they are there is just some special anointing on their life. Now, Jesus was most certainly a prophet. He was prophetic in every way. He fulfilled prophecy, he gave prophecy. And these are people who hold on to God's word so tightly. They bring correction. They bring challenge. They question the status quo. These are our prayer warriors. These people are in tune with God. I've got some friends like this in my life. Like, man, I've got a big decision. I'm I'm, I'm sensing something. I need to talk to you about this. The body of Christ needs the the pioneer apostles. The body of Christ needs the prophets. Not just then, today. <laughs> in 2022, today. And I'll be honest, my, the, a lot of the traditions that I've been in, served in, let those gifts just go to the wayside. Right? And I'm thankful for experiences that I've had internationally. I'm thankful for conversations Maddie and I have had and others to say, hey, this is, this, is act, this is a part of the body of Christ. And then there's the evangelists, the connectors. They recruit people to any cause. They're includers. They see that one person in the back. They leave the 99 to go find the one, right? They're consumed with bringing the outsider in. They're hospitable. I want you to know that this is a gift to the body of Christ. The shepherders, the ones who shepherd and nurture, they nurture and protect. John 10 tells us that Jesus was the good shepherd, right? And is the good shepherd. He cares for, loves, and spent time with his disciples. And his people were relentless in coming at him for healing, he gave them compassion every time. He took care of people. I love, a friend of mine says that, you know, Jesus walked and did ministry at a pace of three miles an hour. As they were walking places, he was being intentional. He was, he, was, he was putting his arm around somebody. He was loving on people. He was caring for them. You're needed in this body of Christ. Then we have the teachers, the guardians. They understand and explain You know, Jesus himself was a masterful teacher, whether with the 5,000, the 120, the 12, or the 3. And what I think is so unique about his ability to teach is he was always listening to what was happening around him. This isn't just, this gift of teaching is not just for those who are ordained and you might see up here or hear up here or hear at a conference, right? This teaching exchange happens with our children. It happens, you know, side by side in the workplace as people see your life, they catch your life, and to steer them towards God's truth. And the body of Christ needs this gift. And for some of you, you're saying, I'm not quite sure which one mine is. Get into Scripture. You've got some great people in this community to walk with you through that, to discover, to move towards this. Because the truth is, is, it's in a season. The Lord might invite you and activate one of those gifts in this season. But the truth is, is Jesus embodied all of those. And, and I, what I see in Scripture is I want to walk and grow in Christ's likeness all the days of my life. And so for me, even though that I might have a little more teacher pioneer in me, shepherd in me, I, I got to expose myself and get comfortable with the prophetic. <laughs> I, I got I to move into spaces and places to shepherd and nurture people, okay? Because I want to grow in Christ-likeness. That's it, not to say don't, you know, ignore those strong gifts and callings for a season, but man, the body of Christ needs all of this. You know, when we individually and collectively Live out the fivefold ministry. It honors the Lord. It's worship unto him. I'm going to throw this picture up here. It's an aspen tree. Have you seen these? They're gorgeous. They're beautiful. And it's not just the physical appearance of this tree that fascinates me. Although they are gorgeous, especially in the fall. Underground What's happening underneath is what's fascinating to me about these. You see, the, a singular aspen tree is not the organism itself. But actually, aspen groves or clusters are singular organisms. So the grouping of trees has the shared root system. An aspen grove is argued to be the largest living organism in the world. There's one in Utah that consists of uh, 47,000 tree trunks covering 106 acres and it's calculated to weigh 13 million pounds. You see, Aspens grow as a community. They are interconnected by their roots and they share nutrients and resources to support each other. When I think about the body of Christ the visual of what's happening underneath, as you activate the gift, as you participate in the body of Christ, as you move in different ways and bring your worship, bring your gift to the Lord. As you do that, guess what you're doing? You're picking up that corner of the mat. (laughs) There are people in this room who may need picking up. There are people in this room who need ministered to. There are people in this community who need ministered to. You see, to carry the corner of the mat. Someone may need you to carry the corner of their mat before you invite them to the new house of worship. Someone may need your act of selflessness and care and compassion before you invite them to a church service. Now, don't get me wrong. Invite people to church service. Go nuts. Go bananas with that. But to love them, to show the compassion of Jesus in their life. Jesus invites you to participate in bringing the up there down here. Your faith is personal, but it is not to be private, and it's not just for you. It's for the community, the testimonies, the song that God is raising up here in this church family. So Christ gave himself the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip his people at the altar fellowship for the works of service so that the body of Christ, this house and beyond, may be built up until we reach all unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Altar fellowship, keep bringing the up there of heaven down here on earth. Show them the way of the kingdom. Carry the corner of the map for somebody in this community. I believe in in this church family, every person a purpose, every purpose a missionary, every missionary joining the move of God in this generation. I want to pray a blessing on you all. I just want you to know that I believe what God is already doing here, He's so pleased with. Okay? I know it's easy to feel like, oh, we got to get this neck, we got to get in this building, we got to do more for God, we got to. Oh, hold on. Let Him just smile on you for a minute, let His kindness. His goodness, just say, hey, good job, Alter. We're just getting started. It's good. Good job. Keep going. You've done well. Some of you are in here because someone carried the corner of your mat, okay? Let's go. Now, the invitation stands greater than ever to give the world, this community, a glimpse, a taste of the up there down here. Let me pray for you. God, we thank you for this church family. We thank you for the leadership. We thank you for the sacrifice of early setup and teardown. We thank you for the parents who are juggling getting kids here and bringing them here and meltdowns and snacks and coloring pages. We thank you, God, for the testimony that has been built and is building. Lord, I pray that you would activate this expression of the body of Christ in such a unique, beautiful, robust way, in a way in which humility is kept in this place, that courage and missional imagination and pioneering can flourish Lord, that this place would just be seen as a a refuge, a family to belong to, to participate in, and to be sent out and equipped as everyday missionaries. God, you are a missionary God with a clear mission, and you sent your Messiah into this world to make things right, to reconcile all things. May we join you in that work. May we join you in how you're moving May we catch up to your spirit, Lord. May we, may we walk by your spirit and in boldness and in confidence. May you bring clarity of the gifts that you are cultivating and stirring up in this season for each person in this room, Lord. For each one of us, show us, Lord, what gifts you, you have in store for us. And may we pour them out as an offering to you. May we pour them out as a blessing unto you, Lord as we receive those prompts of whose corner of the mat to carry, as as people have done for us, and ultimately, Jesus, that you did on that tree for us, that we can operate from a place of forgiveness, that we can operate from a place of victory. Lord, bless, bless this church family. Bless them as they go into their week. Bless us as we go into this new church building in the next couple of weeks. And may the mission of God be ever so clear on our hearts. Lord, may we be caught up in your story. (laughs) May we be caught up in your story. May we look to you each and every day. Lord, we love you. We trust you. Holy Spirit, continue to breathe fresh in our lives. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
0: Come on, guys, bless Pastor Brandon, please. Unbelievable. Thank you. So good. So, uh, you know, I, I, I had a thought, Brandon, as you were speaking, that, um, you know, the Bible doesn't say who those men were. You know, four, five, six, ten people, just some some men, and uh, and I think we don't know who they were, but we know who they weren't, and what they weren't was um, indifferent, and what they weren't was paralyzed, and I think like it's it's so interesting that uh, uh, that these men were strong, you know, and capable of uh, movement from one place to another. And they recognize that that strength wasn't about getting them from one place to another. It was about getting those uh, behind them. And so, uh, you know, I think so many of us have experienced healing and, and the supernatural strengthening and emboldening presence and work of God in our lives. And it's so crucial for me. I felt a conviction today to remember God didn't heal me just so I could be healed God healed me because there was somebody behind me that was gonna need somebody to carry them to the healer as well, you know? And um, so thank you, man. Awesome, 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 and timely word for us. Is that right? Amen. Perfect, perfect. Um, we want to, uh, before we leave today, we wanna to make sure that we bless Pastor Brandon. His uh, wife and three kids are, are back in Indiana. Uh, he's flown down here for a couple days to be with us and with the Pathfinder um, Institute Students over the next couple of days, and uh, the, me and the team have not discussed this, and so they're going to scramble to accommodate what I'm about to tell you because we're just calling an audible here. But uh, if any of, of you, we don't have a lot of room, but we have some extra room, some extra space in the room, as, as Brandon is teaching over the next couple of days about leadership. Uh, I think he's going to touch on a lot of principles that go beyond just church planter specific leadership. And so for those of you that are in leadership, in ministry, in business, in family, uh, if you have the time or the flexibility to come by the office um, tomorrow morning or Tuesday afternoon, uh, Brandon is going to be here uh, speaking on uh, leadership, and and he is one of the best in the world at it. And so uh, uh, you can email um, david at thealtar.org. <laughs> and... Uh, and David will make sure that you know where to be and when to be there if you are interested in continuing to receive uh, from the, the deep well of, of wisdom that God has given Brandon to pour out here for this house. Um, and so we can only, the space is limited, so I would encourage you to email David as quickly as you possibly can. Uh, we probably only have room for like 10 or maybe 15 more people, so... Uh, If you want to come and be a part of that, you are allowed to, but you got to jump on it quickly. Now, uh, we're going to bless him richly. That's one of the things that we pride ourselves on as a family, that is being extravagantly generous, not just in the church, but in our everyday lives. We want to make sure that when people come and invest into us, that we invest into them so much that it makes them feel a little bit uncomfortable to receive it. Can we do that? And so uh, this morning, you're going to have a couple ways to give. Uh, You can text give and any dollar amount. Uh, any dollar amount, you can text give, I mean, not more than you have in your account, but you know, any, you got to cap it at that, but uh, any dollar amount to the number on the screen there, and, uh, along with the word guest. Now we've got that set up. Every cent of this is going to go straight to Pastor Brandon. Uh, if you would like to use, um, if you have cash or, or you want to give by check or a card, you can use the envelope. There should be envelopes. If, if there is not one in your seat, there should be one on a table in the back uh, that you can grab and you can come forward and um, and give into that. Now, uh, one more time, Brandon, would you would you come up here? We want to pray over you as a family. Can we do that, Pastor Ian and Pastor Zach? Would you guys come? We're going to pray over Brandon. He is part of our family here for real. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for this friend, this faithful friend and brother that we have in Brandon. God, we thank you for the incredible work and the anointing that you placed on his life that has brought such clarity and conviction to us here today. Lord, we pray that you would bless his family. God, we pray that you'd pour out your spirit even into his house. We pray right now that Lisa and the kids would just experience you in a a new way, that even now they would feel your love, they'd feel your favor, they'd feel your closeness and and your kindness toward them uh, today, Lord. We thank you that your hand is on this family. We pray that you continue to um, to move mountains before Brandon as he, as he walks the path you've called him to. I pray that you would make that path smooth and straight for him and his family. pray that you'd open the right doors and close the wrong ones. Lord, that you'd continue to give him the words that can sustain the weary. Continue to awaken him, uh, to awaken him every morning to, to tune his ear to listen what it is, uh, to see what it is that you'll say to him next. Lord, we thank you for your skillful and, and delicate uh, and intentional love and leadership in Brandon's life. We declare protection and provision over him and everything he sets his hand to. Lord, would you continue to prosper the work of his hands for, for his good and for your glory in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Come on. Thank you, Lord. Whenever you are uh, ready, you can come forward and uh, and give now. Please make sure that you thank Brandon again for being with us this morning. And, um, and, and let's make sure that all of us give back to the one God used to give to us this morning. Blessings to you guys. Thank you so much. And um, we will see you very soon. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to this service from the Altar Fellowship. We pray that you were impacted powerfully by this message. If you have been personally affected by our ministry and you would like to partner with the altar as we work to establish the kingdom of heaven, please visit our website at www.thealter.org.